seat this morning. This is our family Sunday, which we do every month. On the last Sunday of the month, we have our children from our children's ministry come join us for our worship time together. So children, welcome. Uh, I've got a, a message just for the kids today. So kids, if you want to come up here and join me at the front, there's plenty of room right here. You can sit on the floor for just a moment. Uh, K-4 through fourth grade, kind of in that area, y'all come on up and have a seat. And adults, y'all can all listen in. This is going to be for all of us, but this is going to be designed for the kids today. Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Yes, me too. I ate some turkey and ham and all of that stuff. All good. More kids are coming. I'm so glad y'all are here in our worship service with us today. Awesome. So we just celebrated Thanksgiving, right? Where we are thankful, where we give thanks on Thanksgiving. It's good to give thanks. That's what we're called to do is be thankful. And God loves it when we are thankful. He loves it when we give thanks thanks. He loves it when we give because God is a giving God. He loves to give things. He gave us his son, didn't he? He gave us the Bible. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us his love. He loves to give. And the Bible says that he likes for us to give. He likes for us to share our toys, right? He likes for us to give things to our brothers and sisters, give things to mom and dad, give things to friends, and even give to our enemies to love them and give love to them and be kind to them. In fact, the Bible says that when we give, that God blesses us. He, he likes it when we give and he blesses us when we give. So I want to show you an illustration this morning. Do you know what this is right here? What is that right there? It looks kind of funny, doesn't it? What is it? Uh, medicine. It looks like medicine. It's not medicine. Yes, sir? It's a pumpkin seed. It looks like a pumpkin seed, but it's not pumpkin seed. It's, corn. it's a piece of corn. I have one kernel of corn right here. How about that? Just one kernel of corn. And you know what? I'm not a farmer. I don't even have a, a garden in my yard. But I did some reading this week, and I found out that if you plant this piece of corn in the ground, if you let it go and you put it in the ground and you cover it over and you water it, that it will grow. You knew that already, didn't you? Yeah. A seed plant, it will grow and it'll grow up and it'll get taller and taller and taller. And did you know that a corn seed like this, a corn kernel, that when it grows, it'll be about this tall. That's tall for one little bitty seed, isn't it? And do you know what comes from planting a kernel of corn? What comes from that? Yes, ma'am. Not sure, huh? Anybody? Yes. More corn, yes, corn comes from corn. Very good, that's right. In fact, you get a corn that, or you get some corn that is on a cob like this. In fact, this is, way, this is what it looks like when it's grown. And so what they do at the store is they'll open it up like this, or your mom and dad will when they buy it, and that's what's inside it. That's corn on the cob right there. Have y'all ever eaten corn on the cob? Yes, we love corn on the cob, especially to grill it, right parents? Yes, good stuff. So. What I found out is that when you plant one piece of corn, you get this. And do you know how many kernels there are on one corn on the cob? 
I was blown away by this. I was going around asking folks this morning, and people were guessing 300 and 400 and 500. Did you know that when you get one corn on the cob, there can be as many as 800 kernels on one cob? That's a lot, huh? In fact, when you plant the one seed, one kernel, you don't usually just get one. You actually often get two on each stalk, okay? So now, a little bit of math, adults, 800, 800, 1,600 kernels of corn, 1,600 kernels of corn from planting one. One leads to 1,600. Thank you, sir. Isn't that crazy? But, you know, the Bible talks about that. The Bible says that when we give, it will be given to us. That when you plant a little, you will get a little. This is actually just a little compared to how much we could plant. So kids, imagine this. Imagine we had these two corn on the cob here and look at all that beautiful corn in there. Mm, it's beautiful. Now, let's just imagine we took these two corn on the cob, kids and adults, and we decided, you know what? I'm going to eat one of these and I'm gonna eat most of this one. In fact, I think I'll just take about maybe 10% of both. I'll just take 10%. I'll take a tithe of what I got. Are you with me? I'm gonna take a little of what I got. Now, let's just imagine this was about 160 because adults 160 would be 10% of the 1600, right? And I planted all of these. Imagine if I planted 160 kernels of corn, 160 of these, that'd be a lot. I wanna show you how much corn would come if I planted just 160 of these? Gentlemen, would you mind bringing out the corn? I want you to see how much corn we would actually get. We would plant our 160 and we would get a lot. This is about 250,000 kernels. Isn't that crazy? I planted one and I got two. I took 10% and I planted that and I got all of this. Wow, the more you give, the more God blesses. Did you know that's what Jesus said? He said, give and it will be given to you. So boys and girls, you may not have any corn at home to give, but if you give, kindness to your brother and sister, God will bless you. If you give and share with your brothers and sisters, God will bless you. If you give whatever God has for you, if you have an iPad, you should share it with your brother or sister and know that you're blessed that you have an iPad. Amen. Whatever you have, we share it and God blesses us. Now, this is a powerful lesson for us as children and adults. When we give what God has for us, even a portion, he will bless it and multiply it and it will be given to us. Did you know this is what Jesus did? He gave himself for us so that we could have life. He was like a seed that planted in the ground when Jesus died 
He was buried, but he rose again so that we might have life, so that everyone who believes on him might have life and know him. So boys and girls, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray, adults too. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the lesson of the corn, that you come and you've come already and shown us your son. You've given to us and you have blessed us. And God, I pray that you'll help us as boys and girls and as adults to know that you love it when we give, when we share, when we give away what we have so that someone else can have. Help us to not be selfish. Help us to not be mean, but help us to be kind and give from what we have. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, boys and girls. You may go back to your seat. In fact, Miss Heather, did you give them a seat, a corn? Y'all stop by Miss Heather right here and she'll give you a kernel of corn. How about that? And you can remember. Very good. All right. If we open those bags, we have enough for everybody, but I'm not going to open those bags. You've probably got some cans of corn at home. We're on the end today of a mini-series we're called, we've called Prepare for Harvest. You know, when Jesus talked about harvest, he was talking about people. He wasn't just talking about corn. He wasn't just talking about wheat. He wasn't just talking about crops. He was actually talking about people. You see, Jesus was all about people. Jesus was all about helping people experience all that he had in himself and with the Father. He had life within himself and he wanted others to know that life. He had fellowship with the Father and he wants us to know that life. And so he has come and he has given so that we might know life in him. He's come to set us free from fear, to set us free from guilt, from condemnation, He's come to set us free from just trying to perform. He's, trying, he's come to set us free from just being robots, religious robots. He's come that we might have life and have it more abundant. And whenever Jesus spoke, he was always talking about people. When he talked about sheep, he was really talking about people. When he talked about a house being built on the sand, he was talking about people. When he talked about a harvest and the fields being white unto harvest, he was talking about people. This is what Jesus is all about, us experiencing the life that he has. And do you know this is what we are all about as Vertical Church? We are all about lifting him up and living him out and helping others experience that because that's where life is, in lifting him up and living him out. And everything that we do here, we do toward that end. We're not trying to reach people so that we can have a ministry. We have ministry to reach people. Amen? We don't have buildings and stuff here just for our sake. We're not trying to reach people so that we can have buildings and stuff. We have buildings and stuff so that we can reach people. We're not reaching people so that we can have a band and teachers and children's ministry. We are having all of these things so that we can reach people. That's what it's all about. We have padded chairs and air conditioning, not just so that we can be comfortable. We have those things so that we can reach people, amen? This is what Jesus was about, and this is what we are about as a church today. So when we prepare for harvest, please know, 
Harvest is not just about getting numbers. Harvest is not just about getting dollars. Harvest is not just about popularity. Harvest is about the lives of people and those people being changed. Amen? You know, that's really the greatest delight of a parent. You see, being a parent, you want your child to love God. You want him to have a heart. You want her to have a heart that genuinely, sincerely loves him. Now, I realize as a parent, you can do some things to try to make them behave like they're a Christian or behave like they are obedient, but it's never just enough for a parent to have a child that just performs or obeys outwardly, right? You don't want your kid obeying what you say but inside hating you the whole time. Hello? Parents, your heart ought to be beating for this, right? Because that's not what we want. We want our child, our children to love, to obey, and to love God. Genuinely, sincerely. Not because we've scared them into it. Not because we've guilted them into it. But because they genuinely want to, right? This is what Jesus came for as well. This is why he said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is what Jesus was all about. When he spoke about harvest, this is what he was all about. So I wanna show you kind of our main point today. I'll make my big point, and then we're gonna look at some scripture that's gonna kind of show what this point really is all about. Here it is. The greatest harvest is a heart awakened and alive in Jesus. When we talk about harvest, this is what we're talking about. When we talk about reaching people, this is what we're talking about. Seeing lives radically changed, fully alive in Jesus Christ, loving him, growing in him, and walking in him. Amen? So let's build our passage today, our, our message around this passage from 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, if you have your Bible, Bible app, whatever you've got, you can follow me there, 2 Corinthians 9, or you can follow me on screen. You're welcome to take pictures for notes, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, you're welcome to use iPad, cell phone, or whatever you've got. 2 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth has stuff, a wealthy city. They have stuff that they have been blessed with. But they weren't the only church around. There were believers in many of the cities. There were believers in Jerusalem, and they didn't have much. In fact, they were poor, very poor, and they were facing persecution. They were facing rejection, and so it was difficult to get work. It was difficult to get out because of the persecution that they faced. And so the apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he encourages them to give to the church in Jerusalem, so that they can help them. There was a need in Jerusalem, and the Apostle Paul brought it to the church in Corinth and said, I've got a need, and God's called you to provide. He's got an opportunity for you to bless them. So the Apostle Paul writes, and we get into our passage today, and we see that he says this first. He said, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. 
that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, the Apostle Paul said a whole lot in a sentence. He put a lot of words together and had longer sentences than you and I have today. There's a lot of truth here just in this verse alone. And there's so much that God wants to say to us through it. God is able to make all grace abound. Whenever you have a need, whenever someone else has a need, God puts it on the heart of someone to supply that need. Did you know that? That's the way God works. It's how he works in concert, we've talked about here. When a need exists here, he will put it on the heart of someone here to meet that need. That there might be a sharing, there might be a giving. And God is able to make grace abound to the one who has, so that they will have desire to give to the one who has need. He is able to make all the grace, all the motivation, all the drive abound. And he says this, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, uses the word all a lot here, may have an abundance for every good work. God does this. He sees need. He knows need. He knows where supply is. He puts it on the heart of someone to give. And he blesses them so that they can give and have all that they need to give and provide for their own needs as well. He is able to do all of this. He's able to supply the desire, the grace. He's able to supply to everything that you need so that you can give to someone in need, so that you can help them out, so that you can serve them. And he says, so that you would have an abundance, an abundance. He doesn't say just enough or barely get by. He says, so that you can have an abundance and be able to meet needs. This is how God works. So if we're gonna walk in this pattern, we've gotta recognize that God gives to us, not just so that we can keep it for ourselves, but so that we might be a way for his grace, peace, whatever it might be, to leave us and get into someone else's hands and heart. So for example, God has shown you forgiveness in Jesus Christ, amen? He has forgiven your sins. He has backed a dump truck up on you and unloaded forgiveness, right? He has provided you with forgiveness so that you'll be grateful to him, but also so that the day someone hurts you, someone takes advantage of you, you will have everything you need in that moment to forgive, right? Because that day, you're gonna look at that person and you're gonna be angry. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they did that. How dare they? What do they think they're doing? Don't they know who I am? All that stuff that goes on in our heads and hearts, you know, that all happens. And in that moment, there is only one place you're gonna be able to turn to God to find what you need. He is able to make all the grace abound to you in that moment. So he unloads on you forgiveness. He unloads peace, mercy, love, so that in the day that you need it, 
You've got it. He's unloaded the dump truck on you. He's filled you with peace, love, mercy, kindness, forgiveness. We could go down the list. But if we're going to walk in that, we've got to understand a few things. Here's the first thing we've got to understand. You are not the source. If you're going to be one who gives away, whether it be forgiveness, peace, love, mercy, or even finances, you've got to understand you are not the source. Have you ever come to the end of yourself and realized you're not the source? Hello. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever, you know, tried to relate to someone and after a while you just say, I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. Great. You have finally reached the moment that is the end of you. You have just emptied the garage, the closet, the storage bin. There's nothing on the shelves. You don't have anything else left within you to give. And you even say that. And that is exactly where you got to get to. Because up to that point, you're just really leaning on yourself. You're leaning and trusting on your own emotions and feel-good moments and all that kind of stuff. But there comes a time when you reach the end of all that and you finally say, I can't do it anymore. And you recognize, God, I've got to depend completely on you in this. And he says, good. That's what I've been wanting you to do. Because I alone am your source. So you've got to get to the place where you realize you're not the source. You're not the place. You're not the one who's going to be able to give everything that's needed in your life. It doesn't work that way for your money, for your peace, for forgiveness, for kindness, for understanding, for others. You have to come to the end of yourself. Second thing you've got to understand is you, that other people are not the source either. And you may have tried this as well. You may have thought, well, uh, I can be nice to them as long as they're nice to me. I'll be good to them as long as they say thank you at the end of it. I can give to them as long as I get something back out of it. You know what that is doing? That is making them the source. I'll do it as long as I get something from them. And if you've tried that before, you know that doesn't work. It dries up pretty quick because they don't have much more than you do. Hello. And you finally get to that point and you realize, I'm back where I started. I tried with everything that was in me and I can't do this. I tried trying to get everything that they've got in them and that's not working either. Good. You're finally coming to the place you've needed to be the whole time where you trust in God completely for everything you need, where you understand he alone is your source. You see, when this happens, when you begin to tap into what he's given to you, when you tap into his forgiveness, his love, his mercy, his kindness, his truth, when you tap into that, then all of a sudden, people can offend you, people can hurt you, and it doesn't make you blow up. You don't run away to have a pity party. You don't cry because they hurt your feelings. You say, that's okay. My source doesn't come from me. My source doesn't come from you. I've got a source bigger than all of us. And I lean on him. And he gives me what I need. You may not give me acceptance. That's okay. I've got acceptance in Jesus Christ. You may not love me in return. That's okay. I've got someone loving me that's never going to stop loving me. And it's not going to change how I relate to you. You see, the day that that begins to click in our heads, it'll bring a revolution to marriages even within the church today. Because it won't be about what they do for you. It'll be about what God has done for you and what you're doing for them. 
and you'll be able to withstand whatever comes your way. You won't be easily offended. You won't be easily hurt. You won't be at the end of your rope. You won't be at those places because you'll be serving from a place and from a source that's only in God himself. And so if we're gonna give, if we're gonna give financially, if we're gonna give mercy, if we're gonna give forgiveness, whatever it is, we come to the place where we cut off the line from other people. We cut off and say, I'm not gonna depend on you anymore to make me happy. I'm I'm gonna connect my line to Christ alone because he is my supply line for all that I need. Amen? Let's move along in the passage. He goes on and he says, because as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. This is a reference back to Psalm 112. Make a note and go back and look at that later. In fact, Psalm 111 and 112. This is what happens to the man who is righteous. It says that one of the things that happens for the righteous man is that he gives, he disperses abroad. He freely gives. And it says, and his righteousness endures forever. You see, this is really where your source of strength comes from. When you know you've been made right with God, then you want to walk right with God. And you end up giving yourself away, serving, sacrificing, going way beyond your limits. You can stay up longer, get up earlier, do more than anybody ever thought you could do because you have a supply line connected to Christ. And at the end of the day, you have not depleted your righteousness, your strength, your source. In fact, this source endures, the Bible says, forever. It just keeps on going. You're not gonna exhaust God You're not gonna come to the end of your day and God say, "Uh, hold up now, you've been loving way too much. You've been showing way too much kindness. I'm kind of running dry up here, so hold up. You know, just kick back, relax. In fact, you can be a little selfish if you want to. You don't hear that from God. He says, no, my strength endures forever. And to the one who disperses and he keeps giving and he keeps giving because of his supply line, His righteousness endures forever. Next big truth for us today is this. When you joyfully give, you unlock the flow of harvest from heaven. You see, God has given to you. I mean, fill in the blank, whatever you want to say, he's given to you. He's given you, maybe it's children, blessings, favor, kindness, understanding into his word, his righteousness, forgiveness. We could just go on down the line. If you just keep all of that within yourself, you become a pool. A pool that begins to stink. You become a a cesspool of just yourself. You become this reservoir that keeps getting filled up, but you keep holding on to it because you don't want to give it away. And it begins to do funny things to our life at that moment. You were never designed to hold on to all that God has given you. He has given it to you that it might flow from you, that you might give what's been given to you. And so if you have been shown great mercy, 
then God is calling you to be one who gives great mercy. And in fact, when you do that, you actually open the door, you unlock greater blessing to come from God. Because he loves it when we give. And the thing that he's given you, when you start to give it away, he will resupply you with all that you need. He'll give you more of that thing. Let's go on in the passage here because it tells us more about this. It says, now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He says, now God is the one who has supplied you the seed to begin with, right? And so he is also the one who supplies the bread for food. The bread comes from the seed. And may he supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. When you give what's been given to you, it increases the fruit. If you want to plant the corn, then be ready. There's going to be a harvest. And if you plant an abundance of corn, you better be ready for an abundance of harvest. If you want to invest in the lives of others, then give, support, encourage, share, show kindness, serve in ministry, get involved in the lives of people, give yourself away. When you do, you're gonna unlock a flow of blessing into your life that's gonna be greater than you could have ever imagined before and God is gonna keep providing everything you need. It's just something that you and I don't really understand as industrialized culture today like we talked about last week. We're not in this farming culture like they were. We're not in the agricultural culture. And so we have a difficult time with this idea of planting the seed and waiting and there being a harvest. We want to work and get our money and go home and spend it. That's kind of how we operate. And he says, when you plant the seed, when you invest, when you give away, then God supplies more seed. Next big truth. Watch this. God blesses what we release from our hands for harvest. You see, if I'm holding this, if I was still holding my corn kernel and I chose to say, you know what? I really like this corn kernel and I really hate to see it go anywhere. In fact, I like it so much, I'm just gonna keep it in my pocket. Now, I have a corn kernel and I feel pretty good about myself because I have a corn kernel. Awesome. I've got a corn kernel and you don't, you know, that kind of thing. And that's what happens in Americanized culture today. We're looking to keep and pocket and hold on to and not give away because we're afraid if we give it away, we won't have it. But an agricultural culture, a kingdom mindset knows a, a, a kernel in the pocket gets you nowhere. What you have to do if you wanna see blessing, if you wanna see more, you have to let go of the kernel. You've got to let it go from your hands. It has to go on the ground. It has to be covered over. It has to be watered and you have to step back from it. And that's when God blesses. But if you keep holding on to it, if you keep saying, well, this is mine. I want to use this for myself. I want to use this so I can have an enjoyable whatever. 
I want to use this for me. I have this just for myself. Then you become like the miser who's holding on to the one kernel. You think you have more because you won't let it go. And you're missing the point. You don't get more seed as the sower until the seed leaves your hand. This is a huge principle that applies across the board. You say, well, I want to feel more love in my life. I want to have a sense of connecting with people. If you sit at home and say, well, no one ever comes and sees me. Nobody calls me. I don't see anybody texting me. Well, I see all kinds of people doing other things, but I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait and see what happens. I'm going to wait and see if someone's going to love me. You are that colonel up in your living room waiting for something to happen. And I can almost guarantee you this. Nothing's going to happen. You will abide alone. And you say, but, but I need connection with other people then you're going to have to get out there and give yourself away and connect with other people. When you give yourself away, and I don't mean go out and like, well, I'll see what happens. I'll go to church today and see if three people talk to me, but if they don't, I'm going straight back home again. Nobody came here to do that today though, right? Right? But if you came today and you said, you know what? I'm going to go today and make a difference in someone else's life. I'm going to invest. I'm going to tell someone, hey, you look great today. I'm going to say to somebody, man, I haven't seen you in so long. How are things going? I really miss you. I've been praying for you, in fact. You start investing like that, every one of those is a moment where you are releasing the kernel. You are investing. You are planting. You are stepping out there. And in that moment, you'll find blessing come back to you. It's a principle from scripture. If you need to experience love in your life, then go love some people. If you want to feel accepted and you feel like, I just don't feel like I fit in anywhere, then you be the one who shows acceptance to someone else who doesn't feel accepted. Do that thing. When Jesus said, give and it will be given to you, he was talking about whatever it is that you give. Give and it will be given to you. Give some love to somebody and guess what you're going to get in return? Some love. Give some acceptance and guess what you're going to get? You'll get acceptance in return and you'll get it from the Father and you'll give it to people. And you'll get some of it from people, but after a while you'll say, you know what? It really isn't about what I get back from them. It's what I get from him. And there's a principle here that an agricultural culture understands. There's a principle here that people of the kingdom understand. And so you give and you let go of control. You give and you let go of demands. You give and you let go of selfishness. You don't give and say, well, we'll see what happens. If they don't respond to me, then pfft. You know, that's what natural flesh does. 
Jesus does something very different. The passage goes on. It says this, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Paul says, you know what? When you do give and you give to this church in Jerusalem where the people are hurting, the people are kind of desperate and they don't know what to do. They've been praying. They've been crying out to God. What's going to happen is God's going to enrich you in everything to make you liberally give and it's going to cause thanksgiving. It's going to cause those who are watching to say, thank you, God, for providing. What an amazing thing. You invested and it caused thanksgiving. You had all you needed and you didn't hoard it for yourself, but you gave it away and it actually caused thanksgiving. It caused someone else to be moved. It caused someone else to come alive to God. It caused someone else to say, God, I've been praying and you provided, thank you. This brings us to where we've been talking about or what we were talking about at the very beginning. Look at this. Giving is not designed to make us financially prosperous, but others spiritually prosperous. I'm really saddened in our day that there's a lot of preaching that has distorted what it means to give. There's a lot of preaching that would tell you if you give, you're going to get a percentage back and it will be a way you can increase your bank account by financially giving. Now, I've known some people that God has blessed financially because they financially gave. But I've also known some people who gave financially and at the end of the year, they were worse off financially. Because giving isn't designed to be an investment return system, not financially at least. But what it does provide is blessing into the lives of other people. God didn't give so at the end of the day, his 401k would be better off. Jesus didn't give so that he could amass some riches for himself. When he was finished giving here on earth, he had nothing. Hello, how about that investment return program? He had nothing. But what he gained ultimately was far greater than any financial investment program. So when we give, it's not because of what it does for us. There may be blessing that comes back, but do not give so that it will do something for you. Let me say it one more time. Do not give for what it will do for you. Give so that it is a blessing to someone else, period. And then let God take care of the rest. That's the point of giving. That's the point Paul's trying to make to the Corinthian church. God's going to provide for you. You might be thinking, well, I just don't have much right now. And Paul was saying, God's going to provide everything that you need to be able to give and support and love and care for them. He's going to bless you. And it may not be in ways that you think, but he's going to be a He's going to bless you and he's going to bless them and it's going to cause thanksgiving. Let's go on with the passage, see what he says here. Now, this part gets real wordy. Don't lose yourself here in this part. We're going to walk through it. He says, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but is also abounding through many thanksgivings to God. 
In other words, when you give Corinthian church to the Jerusalem church, you are providing for their needs, but what you're doing is of even greater value. You're causing them to praise God. Can you imagine that? You're giving something financially and the result on the other end is a group of people who come alive to God, whose hearts are totally enveloped in his goodness, who are worshiping him. And this was the goal all along, to see hearts moved, to see lives changed, to see people awaken to the glory of God. The passage goes on and it gives us this. He says, while through the proof of this ministry, they will glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. He says, when you give in this way, they are going to come alive to the gospel. They're going to see and say, this is what Jesus came for. This is exactly what Jesus did for us. And they're going to believe the gospel and they're going to be overwhelmed at the liberal sharing that you have done. They're going to be grateful. And then he says this, and by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. He says, then they're going to pray for you. They're going to be grateful for you. They're going to see the grace of God in you, and you're going to make a difference in their lives. What an interesting thing. You plant one seed, and it causes this overwhelming return. You plant one kernel of corn and it ultimately in two seasons produces over 250,000 kernels. Crazy. When you give in obedience and joyfulness to the Lord, it causes fruit to spring up in people's lives where they say, thank you God for providing. It's been our prayer. It's been our passion. You gave here and it changed a life there. Next big truth that we're walking down toward the end here. Here it is. Every seed we plant by faith yields a harvest of changed lives. When God puts it on your heart to give in some way, and again, the principle is bigger here than just finances, but it includes finances. Mercy, forgiveness, kindness, finances, favor, whatever it might be. When you give that by faith, God's put it on your heart and you give it, it produces a harvest. If God's put it on your heart, I promise you he has a need somewhere that he's going to use to meet that need. And someday, and some way, maybe in this life, maybe not until eternity, you will see a life changed by what you gave. Now, if you were a Christian back in the 80s, there was a song called Thank You for Giving to the Lord. How many remember that song? Yeah, if you're in church during that time, you heard it probably four times a year, right? It was a big popular song and it told the story of a person who had given to the Lord and they gave all they had. They didn't have much, but they gave and ultimately he goes on, he has this scene where he's in heaven and he's, he's there. And he sees all these people coming. And they're coming to give thanks because of what he gave. He gave something small. Didn't know 
how it would unfold, how it would bless. But there were countless who came and were thankful. And he said, thank you for giving to the Lord. For I am a life that was changed. And that's what happens when you and I follow God's direction and give. Now, last week, our uh, trustees and leaders presented to you a need within our own church. And we, I want to remind you of that today. Because at this time of the year, this is what we have uh, determined to be our focus, our goal. God has blessed our church in the last two and a half years in phenomenal ways. And we're seeing him at work, changing lives today. And we know that within our own facilities, there's still some work to be done to help us continue that ministry, to be effective. And so there are three areas that we addressed last week. I just want to quickly just point them out. I know not everybody was here last week with Thanksgiving vacation. Three areas are these. Our children's ministry area is in need of some updating with audio and visual and structural and wall and flooring and ceiling changes to make the children's area something that when a parent drops off a child, they say, wow, this is a great place. My kids love it here and I want my child to be here. I want them to learn about who Jesus is. I want them to know about how to walk in this vertical life. And so we've put together this, this list of needs our children's workers have, Micah and Sherry, and they tell us, hey, here's what we really need here. So there's your price on screen. Our Main Street Center is the only other room we really have for gathering besides this room. It's behind us here. It's the church's old fellowship hall back from the 70s. And uh, it needs some updating. It needs some work. It needs a lot of work. It needs some restroom updates because you can't really get into those restrooms as well as we need to. And so that's one of the things that needs some work. It's also the place where we have our full belly backpack ministry. We provide for students here in the Midlothian area. It's where our men's breakfast meets, our new member luncheons meet, our ladies' Bible study meets. It's where our student ministry meets. It needs a lot of updates. And so that's why it has a larger price tag, has some exterior needs, some interior needs. And finally, this room right here. It feels pretty great here right now. We're all comfortable. But if you remember back in July and August and early September, by the time noon got here, it was not so comfortable in here. And when we tried to have some evening events in here, it was not very comfortable at all. We had those three evening services, and some people were bringing their own fans and sitting them on the table beside them. That's not good. So our trustees have done some work and said, well, here's what it's going to take to get the place where we can get it cool. So here's the need. Here's where we are as a church. Here's the vision we believe God has for us. This is not so that we can be comfortable. This is not so we can pad ourselves or pat ourselves on the back or try to make ourselves look good. That's not what this is about at all. This is about us making a difference in the lives of others, reaching people for the sake of the kingdom. And so I would ask you to pray. What is the place, what is the area that God has you right now? What's he asking you to give for harvest? so that someone else can know Christ, so that a child who's in a home that's broken today where mom and dad are not together and when they are together, it's not pretty. What can we do to help provide a place for that child to know the love of Jesus Christ and be taught how to walk in him? What can we do to help provide a place for students who are on their own campuses 
feeling rejected and bullied and not at home and they're struggling with temptation and they're being pulled in every direction, they need to know the love of Jesus Christ. They need to know the Bible. They need to know how to walk in Christ to stand against every temptation that they face in their school system. They need a place like that and we are here to provide that place for them. What can we do to help families who are walking today on the edge? who are just about ready to call it quits and say, if I don't get some answers for where we are, then we're done. We are here as Vertical Church to be the light in that dark spot, to provide answers, to provide hope, to provide a place where they can come and hear God's truth. So I would ask you in closing today, what is God calling you to give The Apostle Paul ends with just this exaltation of praise. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He says, Corinthian church, I'm asking you to give. The people in Jerusalem really need your help. And God has put it in your hands to meet a need. When they're poor, when they're desperate, you have what they need. And Paul says, this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus had everything in heaven. He had the treasures of heaven. He had the favor of heaven. He had his place at the right hand of the Father. And he was willing to lay down all of that and come here to earth. He gave up all that he had so that we might have all that he had. Thank you, God, for your indescribable gift of Jesus Christ himself. Would you stand with me this morning? I'd like for us to pray, and I'd like for us, each one of us to search our hearts and say, God, what are you calling me to do? In my relationships, what are you calling me to give? In my walk with you, what are you calling me to give? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, today, we are grateful that you gave first. You gave of yourself and you found great joy in it, great delight in it. You gave your son so that we could know life, so that our sins could be removed, so that guilt might be taken away from us, so we might no longer walk in condemnation or shame, so that we might no longer walk in darkness and uncertainty, but that we might have life in you, so that we might have hope, so we might have peace, so we might have forgiveness, and you have unloaded that on us. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, and you call us today, now, as your people, to give ourselves away for others. You're teaching us that we're not meant to hold on to everything that you've given us, but to give away what you've given us. You're teaching us, Lord. You're walking us down this path. You're helping us learn to let go. You're helping us learn to lift up our eyes and not see a culture today and curse it, but to see a culture today that's ready for harvest. God, this is what you're calling us to. This is what you're teaching us. And may we as your church here, right here in Ovilla, may we be the church that is ready to respond, that our hearts say, yes, Lord, I will yield. I will give. I will see this day as a day of harvest. I'll stop cursing the darkness and start sharing the light. 
I'll stop hating what's going on and start sharing your love. May that be true in us, Father, today. Grow us up as your, your bride. Grow us up as your people. May we give ourselves away to you, to you alone. We pray in Jesus' name.